0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Successful Homeownership Show with your host Richard McKenzie out of the greater Cincinnati, Dayton, and northern Kentucky areas. And today's episode, and thank you for listening by the way, today's episode I want to talk about another 90-something year old house inspection and, I, and quite frankly I could talk about these all day because Cincinnati and older cities that are on rivers, which tend to be old, and that tends to be redundant, uh, but older cities tend to have older houses, and this one was not quite 100 years old. In fact, it was 99. That's right, 99 years old, a typical salt box style architecture, where it had a covered front porch, about three bedrooms, one and a half bathrooms, And in Cincinnati, saying that it had a little bit of a hill is also redundant and also assumed. So let's walk through this inspection because this inspection can be anybody's inspection. It can be a first-time homebuyer house. It can have some rather common features. And what do you think about when you imagine a 90-some-year-old house? Well, something you may not think about is the age of the trees. Well, the age of the trees are going to be also more than 90 years old because they weren't brand new and they were in the ground when the house was built. And the house stood there 99 more years. So how old were the houses when some of the trees were saved in the yard? Well, maybe they were close to 100 themselves. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So when you look at a house like this, you look at the yard, and you look at the landscaping around it, you try to imagine the way water would flow during a heavy rain, you look at the roof, you look at the chimney, or chimneys, in this case plural, one for the fireplace that used to be there, which is now used for just the furnace flue, and then the chimney in the back was used uh, only for the water heater flue. And each of those uh, had their own observations. And then looking at the roof, this roof, this happened to be a newer roof, probably three years or less old. And when you are thinking about the house, I've mentioned this before and it certainly bears repeating. The big four, the air conditioner, the furnace, the roof, and the structure tend to be the things that are the most important to keep you out of trouble or get you in trouble. So when we established the, look down after the roof, we look at the sidewalk, the stairs, the driveway. The driveway happened to be up against the foundation of the house, which has its pros and cons. You want to fill that gap if the, if the driveway is actually right up against the house, and you definitely want to make sure that no water can get in any gaps to cause any foundation issues. And sure enough, some had in the past at this house, enough that it attracted some termites in the window frame, and one of the places that I noted that some termite activity had previously taken place was, in fact, around the wooden window frames. So, in uh, looking at that, and, and what if we fill the little gap, then between the side, the driveway, and the house, then there really isn't any more gap and any more give. If ground expands and if that if that driveway starts to move a little bit and pushes into the foundation wall that can actually cause a a foundational crack. So you're really kind of um, wanting them to fill that crack or that gap between the house and the foundation with maybe some polyurethane, something that's rubbery, keeps water out. We just want to keep water out so we keep the foundation dry. So working our way around the house, we're looking at the siding, which in this case happened to be vinyl, which was probably vinyl, over original wood lap lap siding, and then it had a poured foundation. So we're looking at all these things as well as the chimneys. One of the chimneys in the back had some a few places that looked like it had some mortar missing. so tuck pointing a chimney that's ninety nine years old is a very common finding. Having a few places. On the driveway that were cracked, but overall the driveway was pretty good. Can you cut out some of the areas that were all chipped up and spalling and so forth in a couple areas? Yeah, you can do that. I almost think that maybe a moving truck that was full rested there for a couple days and just eventually cracked. Um, I think that probably happened because on each side of the driveway in the exact same spots, um, that's what we have, and the wheels must have rested right on the seam between two large slabs, which is very unfortunate. <clears throat> Front porch, one of the railings was loose. That's pretty pretty common. We are looking at porches to make sure that all the lines are plumb and square and nothing's sloping. and uh, It's okay to have the top of the porch sloped down a little bit away from the house so water runs off, but you don't want to have the porch to be moving. We tested the outlet at the front porch, happened to be ungrounded, a 2 prong ungrounded outlet. Those can be upgraded and be driven off of tripping the neutral um, on uh, GFCI receptacles. That's definitely an upgrade that you want to do to make things safe. And so we wrap ourselves around to the left side of the house. This was pretty exciting. Lots of stuff here a monstrous, and I do mean monstrous sycamore tree, which I looked it up, made sure it was a sycamore tree. Some of their roots tend to be above the ground, and this one certainly was, and these roots were huge, and they were up against the house. And guess what? In the basement, that side of the house had a horizontal crack that was barely, barely discernible, and I really think that some inspectors may have missed that. Uh, in the past, perhaps because it wasn't repaired, it was just there. Maybe it, uh, maybe it was there, and and only a couple of years ago, not sure, but it was definitely noticeable. Not easily, but definitely there. And the sycamore tree, combined with a whole ton of um, vines up against the house, and some honeysuckle really growing between. This house and the neighbor's house on the left. Now, fortunately, the grading wasn't bad. It was sloping away from towards the neighbor's house. Unfortunate for the neighbors, but good for this these people. And so we're really recommending that the honeysuckle be killed off and taken out. Nothing is really allowed to grow under honeysuckle. And under the state of Ohio Department of Agriculture, it is an invasive species. And it's particularly because it just doesn't let other stuff grow under it. So, good luck growing grass and and holding some of the soil in from the grass and then, with the sycamore tree being close by with root competition i mean that that's a recipe for no grass and you want to keep your little sloped hill and you want to not have any more foundation damage there so we'll we'll touch base in or excuse me we'll cover uh when we get to the basement a little bit more about that foundation crack, so let's put that on. Uh, on hold for a minute, or as they say in an airplane, let's uh, let's hover around a little bit on a holding pattern for that. Now, the other thing on the left side of the house was the service entry for the house, 100 amps, pretty small. But for a seventeen or 1,600 square foot house of this age, 100 amps is pretty part and parcel, pretty normal. Now, what was very interesting about this service entry cable was that up close, you could tell that it had been recoded. And it didn't look bad. Meaning, previously, before the sycamore tree went haywire and grew like crazy, the sun had to have just beaten the living crap out of this service entry, caused some of the sheathing to deteriorate, and they recoded it. It really looked... It was like it was coated in epoxy professionally. It really looked pretty good. I I wanted to call out to have it replaced, but I couldn't think of a good enough reason to have it done. So... Um, But trimming the branches on the sycamore tree and possibly removing the sycamore tree could become part of a finding based off of a structural engineering further analysis because of the horizontal, very subtle, but there, uh, crack on the left side of the wall, on the foundation wall. Now, could you just leave that alone and not mention it? No, we have to mention it. Is it a problem? That's a good question. It could become a problem and the, the issue here is the fact that that tree, trees are like whales. They continue to grow until they're dead. Uh, that tree will not stop getting bigger and the roots therefore will not stop getting bigger and therefore the roots are already up against the house and the roots are pretty darn big. I don't think I've ever seen roots bigger than this. Um, okay, so that, then we've inspected the roof, um, some of the branches of the sycamore tree could cause issues with the roof edge on the left side um, in the back side of the house was the deck it seemed attached correctly to the house um, the only problem with the deck was very typical not there just wasn't any deck sealant and one of the some of the top boards because there weren't any deck sealant on the railings tended to be warped and and so forth and could be replaced <clears throat> because of the honeysuckle and the and the sycamore tree i couldn't really get to the air conditioner which was at the left rear corner so i had to go back around the long way around the house around to the back around the right to get to the left rear corner to look at the air conditioner air conditioner was sitting basically on the ground on mud why cuz there's no grass growing in this area cuz of the honeysuckle and the sycamore tree which i mentioned the air conditioner Uh, was a BARD, B-A-R-D brand, which is a good enough brand, but it was 26 years old. And it was also only 50 degrees outside, so we really can't run that with it being less than 60 degrees outside to get any kind of a conclusion. And the air conditioner being 26 years old, from previous episodes, you remember that air conditioners typically last 15 to 20 years, so we are already on borrowed time air conditioner, the cooling coils were rather clogged and dirty. Some vines were on them as well, so we recommended to install some landscaping rocks around the, you know, two-foot or three-foot apron around the entire air conditioner to keep mud from splashing on it. It also needs a really good cleaning, but it very well may need replaced because it's 26 years old. So what do you do? Well, we have to put in there that we suggest a qualified, keyword HVAC technician, And if you're in a state that requires a license for that, then a license technician for you who are in the listening audience further evaluate that and either repair or replace prior to closing. Key words being prior to closing. You don't move in, read your inspection report, and then call and complain if the air conditioner doesn't work. Well, the air conditioner doesn't work. that should have been covered. It was covered. We put specific instructions in the report and told you in person what to do. But our house was as is. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) In this environment, you got to remember, you really need to follow through on the things in the uh, home inspection report. And if you can't have an air conditioner replaced by the sellers because it's as is, if we told you the age and the average lifespan of these things, and if the air conditioner cost between three and $4,000, and your out-of-pocket limit was 1500 or $2,000, then you probably shouldn't have bought that house, because it's already beyond your capability of your out-of-pocket limit for replacing things. <clears throat> That's why we suggest to have further valuation by that specialist prior to closing. Always do these things that are really big and beefy prior to closing. They can get you in a lot of trouble. I impress upon you again. Roof, air conditioner, furnace, and the structure, or you can call that the foundation, as in foundation repairs, tend to be the most expensive things that can cause you to get in trouble very quickly. Um, In the back of this house was a driveway that led to the detached garage. When you have a house that's Over 90 years old, the odds of you having a detached garage are very high because people didn't have cars when this was first built. Very uncommon. Maybe one car, but they parked it in the driveway. Some people had Model Ts, whatever, but you only had one of these. Then they built the garage a few years later when they became more common. This was a two-stall garage. Pretty uncommon. Uh, The foundation floor was not poured real thick. Going to it, going downhill a little bit was a drain in front of the garage. One of these circle drains that had a slight um, downslope on the left side and right side towards that drain. But is all that water going down the driveway in the back going to get into that circle 8-inch drain? 8-inch diameter drain? Probably not. So what we recommended to the buyer was to keep an eye on heavy rains. And if they see that water is breaching beyond there going in the garage... They may consider having a professional cut the concrete on the left and right, maybe six feet to the left, six feet to the right, tie that into the drain and put one of these three-foot-long grate cover uh, narrow storm drain catch basins that you can pull the covers off of. And hopefully the water will go into that during heavy rains and then go into the, the circle drain, which will be tied to it. I actually did that at my house, so I know from experience that that's a real nice solution. Very elegant, not terribly expensive. Now, detached garages tend to be neglected items. Was this garage totally neglected? In some ways, yes. Why am I saying that? Because in the very back of the house, there was a sycamore tree about the same size as the one on the left side of the house. And it wasn't that far from the garage, and the garage floor was cracked. Well, so are you saying that the roots may have caused the foundation slab floor of the garage to crack? Yes, highly likely. Um, and then the slab on the center to the left made a gap in the floor, and we did see some exposed rebar on the foundation wall on the left side of the garage, So there were some issues there, but very typical for a detached garage is to use it as a shed and a place to put a car or two. So using it as a shed, tons of stored items in this thing. Very difficult to see the floor. Now, customers out there listening and thinking about getting a home inspection, you can't really tell a seller to get everything out of the garage, nor is it something that we do at an inspection to unload everything out of the house or excuse me, the garage, put it all in the driveway, inspect the garage, and then put it back. That's just an unrealistic expectation. So what are some of the things that we saw at this inspection? Um, number one was a little bit of sill plate damage and one or two studs on the wall damaged from termites. So needs to have a termite treatment. But we saw some drill holes, which actually in this case were very difficult to see because of all the stored items from a previous termite treatment that we learned was five years ago. That's acceptable, but nobody fixed the sill plate. Nobody shored up or sistered the um, the, the two-by-four stud wall on the left side. <clears throat> At least one of those columns, one of those pieces, was was damaged from termite. So that does need to be re- reinforced. One of the garage door openers was present. The other was a manual door. That's Okay. Um, there was the only knob and tube wiring left in this 1921 house was in the garage. It was all exposed, all visible. Um, one open junction bo- one junction that was made that should be in a junction box. The garage door opener was plugged in using an extension cord into the only outlet in the garage. So I would suggest an licensed electrician make some upgrades in this garage. Get rid of the knob and tube wiring. Put another outlet in the ceiling. Maybe put one on the other ceiling where there's no garage door just to prepare for the future. Maybe even install another outlet on the opposite side of the garage just for convenience. And then do a little shoring up. And the only way you're really going to improve this foundation of this garage on the left side is probably to rebuild a section of it. Maybe put a couple of helical piers in from a foundation repair company. And or maybe pour a new section of the uh, garage floor, or leave it and fill in the gap and live with it. So it is good to have some choices. But these are all very typical findings. Also, the windows in this place were single pane original, and even one of them was vinyl sided over. So that could be replaced possibly with a glass block window and put a vent in there as well. So these are some some pretty good. Um, these are some pretty good uh, things that can be done here. Um. So, moving on and finishing with the garage, um, let's talk a little bit about the exterior. Vines all around it. Um, and then also uh, some tree branches. Um, and then also just to keep the water shedding off the roof and away from the garage. And the tree in the back is just like the other sycamore tree. Probably... Um, mm-hmm probably needing a, a structural engineer to look at this as part of their uh, evaluation. Um, and then also to get that report, and, and it might require or not require, but might suggest having the tree removed. But we don't even know whose property line that's on. Trees of this size tend to be sometimes on both properties. Oh, that can be a little bit of a, head, a headache and, and send some realtors into tizzies, which I do understand. Because that can be very stressful. Um, I don't really know how to handle it except get the right uh, experts in there. Licensed structural engineer. Maybe a qualified tree person. Um, So that's just real important to have that further evaluation. Because as a home buyer, you need to be able to know what your next step is. Ultimately, it boils down to Uh, either buying the house or not buying the house. And if you're going to buy the house, then you know what you're getting into. You know what the cost of these things is. You know what the uh, risk level tolerance is for these things. And then you can make good decisions. But knowing the cost, my dad used to tell me, Richard, plan for the worst case scenario cost-wise and then work backwards. What did he mean by that? He meant that maybe there's a cheaper solution but know what the worst case solution is so you can reduce your risk and manage your cost. So I think that's probably good sound advice. Doesn't quite sound like Dave Ramsey, but heck, I'll, I'll use it. It's my dad. Um, okay, so now let's go into the house. We've, we've done everything outside. Really didn't appear to be any, any grading issues anywhere around the house. Uh, those were kind of trumped by the two sycamore tree trunks uh, that, that that I pointed out and, and what to do with those. Kind of an oddball situation. Um, trees aren't always involved in licensed tr- Structural engineer further evaluations, but heck, in this case, definitely going to be. <coughs> so when we got inside the house, I started checking the outlets in the front room, then uh, looked at the fireplace and so forth. And what do we have? We have a whole bunch, if not most, Nearly all, except for maybe one outlet, were all 2 prong ungrounded, original outlets. Now, there is a GFCI solution that a licensed electrician can do. I actually had that done at my house. That's something you want to uh, get a quote from a licensed electrician to try to upgrade those outlets. That's a lot cheaper than rewiring the entire house, uh, which would be totally insane and, and almost unaffordable. Um, several thermal seal failures existed. We have a lot of, uh, we have a couple window manufacturers that are actually based in Cincinnati, and this happened to be one of those brands. I'm not going to name the brand. It doesn't really matter, but neither here nor there. Several thermal seal failures, pretty common to deal with. Sometimes some can be repaired. Sometimes some can be replaced that being the sash that's involved with the thermal seal failure, which means that it has fogged glass. Moisture has gotten in between the two panes of glass. So, uh, moving on, uh, kitchen appliances. Well, they did put a GFCI receptacle in the kitchen. That was good. Um, this house actually had an electric stove, kind of a risk to a little bit when you have only 100 amps to deal with. A lot of times we just see a gas stove for a situation like this. Um, One of the other things we see in these older houses is in the back door or side door they have a twist lock deadbolt and a twist lock handle and a single pane of glass. So what happens if a burglar breaks the glass, reaches his hand in, he can twist the locks open and he's in the house. So think about security when you're buying your house also in ways that you can increase your security. That's not a bad thing to consider. Working our way upstairs, there were several windows to open and look at the roof, if not climb out. Um, I would prefer to climb out a window than get on a ladder, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, Smoke detectors were present, carbon monoxide detectors were present. There was a little surprise in one of the closets. This closet, center bedroom on the right, was involved in an interior wall, uh, excuse me, exterior wall, which happened to be the side of the chimney and tested it with the moisture meter because there was some moisture stains on the wall there. Yes, it came up red, which means it's 20% or more, which means it is elevated moisture and there is some leak going on. Either water is seeping in the chimney, condensation possibly from the furnace uh, flue going up there. Maybe it's not lined. Other possibility is that roof that's only two years old, there might have been a area that they really just didn't flash as well as they could. Nonetheless, further valuation by qualified roofing contractor with repairs and or replacements as needed prior to closing. Something you see sometimes in these older houses on the second floor are not really good return uh, for the the, uh, supplied air going back to the furnace. Not that atypical. And then you might see one of the rooms have a portable or window air conditioner because they want to boost that for the um, second floor. So that's something that certainly can be um, addressed further. It's not an alarming issue. It's Just just remember that this house is 99 years old and it was built. They didn't have air conditioning. So everything's going to be a retrofit approximated on what you have available to run ductwork. Sometimes it's in closets so you lose a little bit of closet space. But there's no real elegant way to put return air because you have to use that same closet space which may not be available now and maybe you just use the fact that the upstairs is open and not a door to get to the upstairs which may not be true if you had a third floor. Those tend to be even more problematic. But just remember, a second floor in a house like this is going to be a little bit warmer during the cooling season than is downstairs. And and in that light, uh, the insulation and ventilation in the attic become very important. Well, guess what we had in this house? In this house, there was no access at all. And I really did search every closet, every ceiling, including the bathroom, for a way to get in the attic. There just was not any way. Matter of fact, there were some acoustic tiles um, on the ceilings, and probably one of them used to have underneath it the attic access. And I'm hoping, and I asked them to the buyers to check with the sellers. Please inquire about the amount of insulation that is in the attic and the, um, <clears throat> uh, and, and the nature of sealing that off. And hopefully they they find out that there's 12 to 14 inches up there, which is recommended for this part of the country. Okay, If you're in Cleveland, uh, Buffalo, then 14 to 16 is more appropriate. Minnesota, those those areas that get extreme cold, uh, more so than Cincinnati where we are. One of the things we found in the bathroom was, and I hate it when these are used, Uh, When when the plumbing is a little difficult to get to from the sink stem for the drain to the P-trap, when it's offset and difficult to get to, these accordion pieces are used, which I find to be very cheap plastic. They fail over time, leak over time, and the accordion little pockets in this accordion, and you'll have to look that up if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but a better solution would be to actually have to spend the time by the plumber. And this is why it would cost extra. So if you ever have one of these installed and the plumber says there was an offset I had to deal with and it was a little more difficult, don't get all mad at them and stuff and say, why are you charging me $210? That should be cheaper. Because it really, it's a lot of work to line that up and find the right pieces, put them together. And a lot of times they have to start over, reseed them and so forth. So Uh, Be nice to your plumber. Not all of them are going to rip you off. Most of them are very, very nice, very honest. And some of the plumbing solutions are are somewhat difficult. So the picture that I'm looking at and recording this, (coughs) excuse me, um, had one of those. So I really suggest to, it's not an immediate replacement, but next time you have a plumber in, have them replace it with something that's going to be more permanent uh, rather than something that's kind of, it's just kind of cheesy. I'll just say that. Okay, so going down to the basement after this now, what are some of the things we saw in the basement? Well, I liked this basement for a number of reasons. One, all the compartmentalized areas were open, no doors. Very good solution. Um, there was a sump pump in here. The person who installed the sump pump and the drain, drainage system in the basement floor probably told them, get rid of your closet doors unless you want some mold on your walls from lack of ventilation. The sump pump was dry, um, which was actually good to have, dry. Um, everything else looked looked pretty darn good for this basement, except that I noticed the horizontal crack on the left side wall. Part of the wall was hidden behind paneling. Please don't inspect expect your inspector to rip the paneling off and figure out what's behind the wall. He can't do that uh, behind the paneling. What he can do, however... Is to test that paneling for moisture level which we did and it didn't seem to be elevated um, but we do realize that the crack did not seem to stop um, where the staircase was where the paneling started but probably is going to continue behind there which is really where those sycamore roots and stuff were um, so That needs to be further evaluated by that licensed uh, structural engineer prior to closing with any preparations or or prepared solutions and cost estimates and so forth as needed. Because the person buying the house is going to need to have that stuff in hand to either back out of the sale of the house or to buy the house and say, look, it's going to cost this to fix. Uh, So some negotiation is going to be needed. One of the more common things that we saw on the water heater was that the temperature pressure relief charge relief valve discharge pipe, which is a CPVC material, had a CPVC connector uh, to the brass valve itself, and that really should be a sheet metal type me- type um, threaded material, because if that TPRV Ever discharged those threads for the cpvc C- material probably would not hold or could break off because of the pressure and therefore it would defeat the purpose of having that discharge pipe on there in the first place um, no P trap on the laundry tub very common very easy fix as well so that's an easy fix hopefully they won't put one of those accordion pipes on there um, Let's see. There were a couple of other odds and ends. I, I liked in this house the fact that there was insulation on the, on the joists all the way up to the sill plates of the exterior walls. That was nice to see. That means somebody's thinking about their power bills and energy efficiency. Uh, so he, remember that heat is always lost. Heat goes from a warmer um, source to a colder source. It is received by the colder source. And stolen from the warmer source. Much like your butt. Sitting on aluminum bleachers. During, during a 25 degree. High school mm-hmm. football game. You never do warm up. Do you? There's a reason for that. Alright. Um, a couple other things. There was that Archie Bunker. Mafia toilet in the basement. and I'll have to let you scratch your head at that one and and understand my dry humor and the toilet did not work the water was off to it it's a good toilet Mm -hmm. um looked fine uh should be verified by a licensed plumber and hopefully that can be used again you only got one toilet in the the house and what if you're outside mowing the lawn and and uh you need to come in and wash up and go to the bathroom and You don't want to have to go all the way upstairs. you got that toilet off the back side of the, uh, you know, the stairs off the back side of the house going down to the basement. Very useful. Well, you can get to the bathroom. That would be a good thing to have. And then the last thing I'm going to note was the furnace was the same age as the air conditioner, 26 years. It worked fine, but it was very dirty, and there was no service record. No service record to us means that we really do need to have a service person service that And find out exactly how much remaining life is left in that unit. Remember that we have said before, furnaces tend to be 20 to 25 year units. Ah, and air conditioners 15 to 20. What do you notice about that? Five year difference. Try to budget and stay ahead and don't go to the poorhouse by budgeting to keep your costs um, under control and plan to not have to replace both of those at the same time. <clears throat> Excuse me. On the electrical panel, it was full. It's a hundred amps. Why is it full? Well, because you have that electric stove. You don't have a gas stove. That would free up another forty or fifty. Right there, amp um, breaker, and <clears throat> there weren't that many ground wires, and we expected that because most of the outlets in the house were ungrounded, as we said. So a licensed electrician in this case is very necessary. And the last kind of funny thing that we see a lot, the water heater flue pipe was wrapped in duct tape. No, not the aluminum sticky proper duct tape, the mafia duct tape, gray duct tape, you know, that one that mafia people uh, kidnap people with and so forth and put over their mouths like you see in the in the movies. That's not appropriate for a flue pipe like this. So that does need a little bit of adjustment there, taking off and put the proper stuff on there. So that's what we saw at this house. And I've rushed this through in 35 minutes, but this was a typical two to two and a half hour inspection with very typical findings. I view the horizontal crack on the left foundation wall and the tree, the the sycamore tree out there and the sycamore tree behind the garage, which caused some foundation and floor issues at the detached garage as the primary major issues of this inspection after that a close second or third would be the age of the air conditioner and after that would be the age of the furnace the furnace being 26 the air conditioner being 26 so these are the things that uh, would need to be negotiated dealt with gotten estimates and further valuations by those experts prior to closing of course and Hopefully things will go well with this, but it was an adventure, and I hope you've gotten a lot out of this, because this, you know, something like this could be an inspection like yours. So what are the lessons you want to learn? One, spend some time outside looking at the house, not just inside. Number two, go find your furnace in the basement. If it looks ancient, does that match up with your out-of-pocket limit? Number three, look at the air conditioner. How old does it look? If it looks like a hot mess and it's really, really old, if you have a $3,000 out-of-pocket limit and an air conditioner costs about $3,500, can you swing that? Do you want to do 500 more than your out-of-pocket limit for a new air conditioner? That's a yes or no question, and only you can decide that. All right. Well, this has been the Successful Homeownership Show with your host, Richard McKenzie, And until our next episode, thank you for listening.